Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham. I'm Chris S. along with my co-host Chris W. This podcast is dedicated to providing lighthearted, concise analysis on everything concerning West Ham. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham. After West Ham hold on for a 2-1 win away at Leeds, we see ourselves fifth in the table currently. Uh, Chris, we had a little bit of a uh, an, a, a late injury. It's, well, not a late injury, but a late uh, surgery. Masuaku with a knee surgery going to be out for an undisclosed period of time. Uh, he's really key to our, our old five-back system that's been performing so well for us today. Do you think Moyes got the lineup right for the Leeds game? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I was really happy to see Ben Rama and Fornals play together. I think we saw a lot of offensive movement in this game, but our defense was suffering and they were penetrating us like crazy in terms of their runs through they long balls over the top. I mean, it, it happened in the first two minutes of the game. We saw them break through and, and I fully believe that was a result of just not having enough defenders back there. Uh, so I think it hurt us in the end. Um, and then we saw later the, the switch back to, um, the formation we've been playing. And I mean, brought on Noble, brought on Johnson. I, I really liked that Moyes was willing to do that. What, I thought it took think? a lot of guts, especially since, you know, Moyes is a manager that um, does not change unless he, unless he has to. And, and really, you know, Masuaku has to, is not, you know, not the most impactful player on our team, but I, the most important to that formation. Mm-hmm because we really have no other player uh, that fits that role. Um, there, were, there was some talk of maybe putting uh, Cresswell at, at the left wing back, uh, bringing in another center back. There was some talk of playing someone like Ben Rama as a left wing back, or maybe a Fernals. Um, even some fans suggesting Snodgrass with his left foot be, be playing out there. Um, but Moyes opted to, to really change the whole system going for kind of a 4-2-3-1 um, and it took us a little bit to, to adjust to it. You know, the, I'm sure the players didn't have a ton of time to, to, to work on it, but, uh, I feel like the overall, I thought we played well in the game, but, but, but it took us time to get, to get used to it because I, I think the, the two center backs playing too wide and letting that through ball in just a couple minutes into the game was kind of proof of that where they're, they're so used to having, uh, three center backs operating in that space that they weren't ready uh, to be as narrow as they needed to be. So that brought on the penalty. I think Fabianski really had to make the save that, or, you know, that, that block that, that got him the yellow card. Um, great save, but then it's called back. What do you think of that VAR decision? Yeah. Well, first of all, it was a clear penalty. Um, tough, tough, tough from Fabianski's viewpoint in terms of what do you do? Because the guy's running at you, you have to go for the ball and, you know, maybe you save the penalty, maybe you don't, but you kind of knew, I don't know, it was a good move by him. So well, it was clear. It was going to be a goal if he didn't stop him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and yeah. for, for Bamford's credit, that was a smart move to yes. force a penalty. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I have no fault with Fabianski trying to make that tackle. Um, if yeah. He and the ball, so, it's not a foul, but you know, you get you right. Know. Exactly. I, I think it was actually a pretty smart decision on his part. And it, and like you said, it was a good move. Um, now we get to him to, uh, Leeds taking that first penalty, a pretty weak penalty, and and Fabianski saves it, and West Ham takes a sigh of relief. Uh, 
then it's called back for VAR and everyone watched it. Um, you know, Fabianski's heel uh, has to be on the line and it wasn't in terms of what the VAR determined. So uh, that means there's another retake. Now, something I thought was interesting is Fabianski got a yellow for the penalty. And if he had done that a second time in terms of not stay on his line for the penalty, he would have gotten a second yellow, which would have forced him off the field. So he's in a really tough spot at that point, because not only can he just not afford another yellow, but, um, but you know, it's, you have to retake that penalty and, uh, and they score. So, I want to bring up Moyes' comments here because I think this is going to spur some good discussion. Um, Moyes, after the game, had some very – he was very vocal on the decision. Uh, So I'll I'll quote Moyes now. He says, until we get VAR sorted, I don't think I'll be happy. Another quote, he called the call rubbish. And and a third one, uh, whoever saw it must have had Fabianski's foot x-rayed. The decision was rubbish. So clearly Moyes wasn't happy. You could see the the, – the faces of Fabianski and Rice pointing to the, the big screen in the stadium, screaming almost at the ref, you know, and, and actually I must say, what do you think that referee? I thought um, he's done a pretty good job. Like, I don't think I fault him. It's, it's the VAR decisions. Well, actually he didn't have any say so in, in the penalty. So um, one of the quotes from the kind of a clarification on the matter talked about uh, the referee wasn't you know, The referee didn't go over to the referee review. Um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's what's called a factual decision. Um, they, and I, yes, Fabianski's heel was off the line by, you know, by centimeters, but he was off the line. So by the letter of the law, yes, it's a factual. Um, but no, I thought the referee did, did fine for the most part. Uh, I just, I understand that that's the letter of the law, but it's not as if Fabianski was running out you know, taking taking a split step before diving in a direction, you, you got to give the keeper some. You got to have allow the keeper something. Now, I don't know if this is there. I don't believe this is necessarily a VAR application problem because it, it, by the letter of the law, they were correct. Um, this is something that either needs to be changed uh, to to allow the goalkeeper to do to in good faith, you know, attempt to save. Like Fabianski, Fabianski wasn't trying to cheat on what he did. He just made a save and, you know, standing on the line versus standing an inch in front of it doesn't really give you an advantage. Uh, but it's the same thing with with the offsides. They they've decided to be get it down to the centimeter. Um and I don't think it it, it doesn't make football any more entertaining. It doesn't knowing that they were factually right on this, just as they were factually right calling Ollie Watkins offside in the Villa game, neither made the games more enjoyable. They made them less enjoyable. Um, so they, I, in my opinion, they either need to, for these type of rules, give a, a buffer to, for uh, on the offsides, give, give some buffer uh, for the, for these goalies being able to step over the line give them a little bit of buffer or they just, they just need to get rid of VAR in general. There's not, um, I, I really thought VAR was going to be beneficial because I get, you know, things like the, the Callum Wilson goal where he was yards offside a few years ago for Bournemouth. Like those things frustrate me to no end, but having one of those every three or four years versus having every other game or in, in our case, three games in a row, where VAR has been incredibly frustrating 
uh, two times against us, one time in our favor. It's not fun. I'd rather I'd rather have something to complain about that happens every three or four years that's just absurd than something like this that's almost as absurd. Just yeah, I mean, I agree. I believe it's in the language of the VAR and what they're judging off of. And one fix, one proposal I have for it. I don't know if they'll, you know, Premier League's listening to the podcast. Maybe they are, but um, but I think it needs to be. Does it impact the game? Fabianski's one centimeter off the line heel does not impact the game at all. Neither does a finger being over, or it's, let's say an elbow uh, being over, you know, the offside. It's like by, by a freaking centimeter. Now, if your foot is over and you've got an extra step on the guy, sure. Maybe that does impact the game. But if you put in that language of, okay, at overall, let's take a, a, a you know, bird's eye view. Did this impact the game? And, and Fabianski being one centimeter off the line, first of all, a human can't, you know, I, I mean, I've been a referee before and, and I've sat, I've been the line judge on penalties and you can't, you can tell if the guy's off the line by a clear margin, but you can't tell if it's a centimeter, you know? Yeah. Well, and so I, I'm, I played team handball in college. Um, I think the way team handball does penalties is excellent. So what they do, the, uh, the, uh, shooter has the ball at, at, at this mark. There's this line that's marked from seven meters out. They can't go in front of this line. Um, and once the referee blow, the, the goalie has to start on his line. So both players are on their line. When the goal, when the, when the ref blows the whistle, uh, that, that allows the um, player to shoot. He has like two seconds to shoot, uh, but he can't move forward. He has to stay from where he is the goalie, once the whistle is blown, can start coming up. They can either stay back on their line or they can start coming up. Um, and so it incentivizes, you know, the player still has the advantage, the, the shooter still has the advantage, but it allows the goalie to uh, do the penalty in, in which way uh, he sees fit. So is maybe is there something that um, perhaps when the player, when, you know, I, I, in soccer, yes, you have to have the run up, for the shot. So it can't be the exact same situation, but what about when the uh, maybe when the player crosses a, a certain point, the goalie can come up a little bit. I, something like that, I think would be fair where you're, you're not giving the goalie the an advantage. It's just giving the goalie an option of, uh, you know, Depending he's not going to be right in front of the ball by the time it's kicked, but he's going right. to be, it's not going to be like, Oh, his heel was, you know, there's two blades of grass between his heel and the line. Let's redo it. Yeah, I think what it comes down to is, I mean, either, it, while it's frustrating that it was just in a penalty situation this time, you know, what you're speaking, I think, is changing more the rules of soccer compared to VAR, which VAR is is the consistent problem here. Yeah. Whereas that, if that were a well, problem see, I every don't single week, think this wasn't a VAR problem. This was just a situ. It's a it's a rule problem. It's that's it's a just rule problem because of VAR. Right. But if you apply that, you know, does it really impact the game or yeah. like, it's the same with, with the offsides when they're just inches offsides and it's like, you know, their head or something where it, it literally does not matter. That's kind of what I'm getting is but, yes. But, yeah, well, basically what I'm decision. saying is, do we need to change the rules to the, that gives the goalie just some, some small buffer to where, you know, some, trying to actually just make the save is not 
an illegal move of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't, I mean, personally, I wouldn't change the rule, but I, I understand that he has to be on the line and uh, it, you know, I mean, and keepers, as soon as the ball is kicked, why, the keeper dives and everything. So it's, why can't they just draw a, you know, a, a one meter wide, you know, a, a, a line that's one meter long. Um, that's like two feet in front of the goal. Like the goalie's not getting any advantage, but as long as he's between the goal line and that line, some something you know he's not taking a step forward, but he's not. Yeah, they could. Um, I, I think what it comes down to is when you you get to the World Cup and you've got these games, these countries where for four years you know all their glory is bent on this one game, and you lose in penalties, or even the World Cup final and you're losing in penalties. I think that's where you would see this be a really big problem if the keeper had a ton of movement because the keeper is at a disadvantage, but they also have studied the player that's taking the shot. Like let's say Ronaldo, like I guarantee you, if you're going up against Ronaldo, you know how he's going to take a penalty and he still is going to score. So, I mean, it's ridiculous, but, but the point is it almost would be tipping it too much in the keeper's favor. I think at that point, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not like a technical keeper expert or something, but I just feel like that may be why they haven't done it. Um, maybe it's just because it's a rule that hasn't been changed and, you know, darn, we're going to stick to it because it's been there for a hundred years. I mean, that could be as well, but yeah, I would be interested. I'm to just see trying to think of ways that we can address the problem of. But that doesn't fix like via. Like yeah. But that doesn't fix like the VAR decisions in terms of, offsides well, I, as well like how do you I fix think, that part i think today wasn't a like a va like the offsides is like like i think these are all different problems i don't think these are all the same problems like you know the offsides it's i think that again is a is is a two-parter it's a rule with the offsides because is you know was ollie watkins really at an advantage because his like you know armpit was beyond the knee of Sioux fall or you know there's that problem and there's also well how strict are we going to be with the var being clear and obvious today it was two it was like twofold it was the really it wasn't a var problem because the var reviews it or doesn't review it the the var portion was just how strict are we going to be but then there was the the penalty rule of well what what should what should result in, in a retaken penalty and there are a lot of people that also posted a picture of the second attempt where a Leeds player was about two meters into the box by the time he shot the ball by the by the time the other Leeds player shot the ball and that a lot of people use that as an example of maybe why it should have been retaken but according to the rules if if an offensive or defensive player is encroaching on the ball but does not impact the play you don't retake the ball. You don't retake the shot. So only in an instance of if, if Fabianski had saved it and, you know, the Leeds player put in the rebound or uh, it hit the crossbar or something like that. I don't know. I, I, I don't really see this as a VAR problem, but I, I'm more lamenting on how VAR makes all these different soccer rules issues in their own right. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Um, a quote here that, that will, I think, sum up exactly what you're saying is, uh, this is actually the Leeds boss. Um, his name is Marcelo Bielsa, Bielsal, sorry. Leeds Bielsa. And, uh, Bielsa, yeah. And he, uh, and he said, it worries me because it's, it's causing an uneven, excuse me, unevenness, and we are finding it hard to correct. 
And I think that's great. It, it's literally, it is an unevenness. Uh, you never know which way VAR is going to go. You know, if it was always a hundred percent for West Ham or against West Ham, I mean, it seems, you know, we get mad over the decisions because they seem like they're against us, but we've had some that are for us. It, it literally is not just West Ham though. It's the entire league that is having the trouble with this. It, yeah, it, it definitely is uneven the, I don't know if it's the just because there's humans doing it or if the rules just aren't clear enough. But there was also, and I'm not trying to defend VAR through this. I'm just saying there was unevenness before this too. You know, big clubs notoriously got more favorable outcomes in refereeing decisions before VAR was implemented. So it's not as if I think that I think people's frustration is is more that you're adding kind of this burden to the game now with VAR and it's not fixing the problem. It's not, I don't think it's worse than it was before as far as being unfair towards one team or another. I just think the problem is there's an unnecessary impediment to the flow of the game and it, and people just don't feel like it's making it any better. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Uh, Is it making the game better? And at the end of the day, it's really tough to say, that yes it is well so that was so that was the first four or five minutes of the game beyond that what did you think i thought we (laughs) the first 25 minutes we it took us about 20 more minutes to get an equalizer through suchek um man we we executed set plays really well today we used our height well great delivery from from bowen on that first one from cresswell later on uh you know we have a lot of I think on both sides of set pieces, we have a lot of height to attack the ball and we all have a lot of players uh, that have a, have a good delivery. And that's really been a strength of us this season. Yeah, it has. I actually was the most impressed with the work rate of every single player out there. And I saw that increase throughout the game. There was one point where our defense was in our defensive third and our, our, almost all of our offense was in the attacking third. And there was this huge space between and, Leeds got an attack, you know, so our defense uh, recovered it and then pumped it right back up to our offense. And anyways, the whole point is they were split, but those midfielders were running back and forth as hard as they could. And they were, I mean, they were dead tired by three or four times of this. There was just a span of about two minutes where this happened. And, but they were running their hearts out. And I saw that in Fornals. I saw that in Ben Rama. I saw that in every single player out there. And then that's what really impressed me today is we were really willing to work for the win, to keep the win. Um, you know, and really work for that second goal as well. Uh, I saw it from about, like you said, about the 20th minute on the first 20 minutes were a little shaky, getting ready uh, or uh, adjusting to the new formation, I should say. Uh, but there's not a player that I really want to like fault for that. You know, there were some defensive mistakes. Uh, the offense was giving away the ball. They were some poor passes in the midfield and leads were picking them up. I mean, it, it wasn't really any one player. Did you have uh, the same feeling? Uh, I mean, there were two players I thought, well, two two players that I thought didn't have a great game, especially the first half. I thought Fernals and, and Hilaire did not have a good first half. Um, Fernals just wasn't in the right positions all the time, didn't really seem to make great passes. Um, and then for, for, for Hilaire, I was mostly disappointed with his holdup play. I, you know, he should have, he worked well on the defensive side. I think both he and Fernals still put in the work rate. Um, but I didn't, he was losing the ball too many times. He wasn't making the right layoffs to players. Um, and there were, 
a couple chances in the first half. I, I didn't really have a problem with his finishing today. I, you know, he had three shots blocked by Leeds players. And now if he would have taken shots and just been off target, that's a problem. But I thought for the most part, outside of the one header he had, that was just a little too, that should have been put in a little better place. I thought the other shots he took were, were good. They were just blocked. Um, and there's not much you can do about that. If, if the defenders on you tight, um, but, but in the first half, I thought he was very poor with his holdup play. Um, so him and Fernals were in the first half, at least not up to snuff. So Hilaire's a, a really good discussion. Uh, I, I, I thought Hilaire had a, a terrible game. Uh, I think every time I saw him get the ball, he was, he would lose it or he would, yeah, like not make the pass. Or there were a few times where Ben Rama had a great, you know, run down the pitch or something. And then the last final pass, the last piece before they took the shot just wasn't there because Hilaire either gave up the run or, you know, there was some mispositioning on his part for now is a separate, you know, that happened too on his part too. But um, just speaking about Hilaire, I, I did not think it was a great game for him. And some of those shots, like you said, yeah, the keeper blocked him or they got blocked, but, but it's a striker's, it's a striker's job. Literally he's getting paid millions of dollars to score some goals. And he's had very little production for what, I mean, especially what we paid for him, but you know, he's our number one striker. Antonio would have had double the goals by now when put in this same position, I think. I don't know about like today. I think his, I think there's two parts of his play. I thought his holdup play was very bad today that I think you can rightly criticize, but as far as I, I don't know what else he should have done with the shots that he took for the, I, there was the, again, the one header that I thought he should have placed better that Phillips got a foot on before the keeper saved, but the, the other shots he had, you know, the, the bicycle kick, the, uh, the one where he was cutting across goal and just, I think I think Ailing blocked uh, two or three of his shots. He, he their defender played and, really and well. And like I don't know, it was those. There were shots that were, you know, he took first time. It wasn't like he took too long to take those shots. He was in the position to get those chances. The, the defenders were just right on right on him the whole time, and. I don't know what else a striker in that position does. I think Antonio would have done better maybe on the hold-up play today uh, and on other aspects, but I don't think the finishing was really a problem. Now, again, if if he'd been shanking these balls and they'd been going over the net, that's you know that's bad finishing. Well, so I, I see what you're saying about that uh, today maybe not being his fault, and you're right. Some of the positions he was in were tough to, to score from. And so sometimes the keeper and the keeper had some good saves. And I'll, I'll agree with you. He had a bad game. I just don't think yeah. that part of the, his game was the bad part of his game. Yeah. Well, well, but the whole, I think my point is over the course of the season, your number one striker, especially when Antonio has been out, Hilaire's had quite a few games now. And it's like, I'm just looking at him. I was like, dude, where's the production? I, I, I just, I, I almost need production. I need production from him because he's our number one striker. He's, We've been giving him service. There's been a few games where we haven't, but we've been giving him the service. We're paying him millions and millions of pounds. His sole job is to score. And, you know, I'm not expecting a goal every single game, but I'm expecting more production than what we've had. Perhaps. Um, I'm overall, though, fairly fine with our our output, though. We've been... We've really... Yeah. How should I say it? We've, 
we've been having good offensive chances for the most part. Um, so just for statistics on the season, Hilaire and Antonio have both played 530 minutes. There's they're literally two minutes separating them. Uh, Antonio has three goals. Hilaire has two. So I don't necessarily think the, the goal output's been, it, it really hasn't been different. You know, just one goal difference. Uh, both, both, I think a little under, under, uh, underwhelming for the, the amount of chances they might've had. Um, but I think, I think our offense has been fine the last few weeks. We got 19 shots today, uh, only got two goals, but I think, you know, their goalie, we could have easily scored four or five goals if their goalie didn't play so well. I thought he was the best player for them on the pitch today. Yeah, so, their their goalie had – there was one incredible save uh, where it was purely his reflexes. I mean, it it darn should have been a West Ham goal, and he pulled it out. And I, I literally sat there and I was like, wow, like that was a great, great save. Um, there's a few of those where, you know, I like to give the keeper credit because – that's what he's paid to do. And he did. And Fabianski had a few of those too, where he did. Yeah. I mean, Fabianski played well today too. Speaking of a, you know, you, you were, you were obviously disappointed with, we were both disappointed with Hiller's performance today. I think you, you were a little more disappointed within the last several games. One offensive player that I thought was really exciting to watch, even though uh, there was no, no end product uh, today was Ben Rama. I, he was entertaining and I thought created some really good chances. He really did. And he's like, to me, like the Bowen on the left, like Bo- Bowen will take the ball and he'll dribble, you know, Bowen's dribbler in my opinion. And I think Bron Rama is too. Um, and the only thing I saw that I didn't like from Ben Rama, I don't think it was even his fault. And that was, there were a few times where he would pass and no player would be there because he was expecting either Hilaire or Fernandes to mm-hmm. run or, you know, <clears throat> whoever liked, to make that run. I liked his inventiveness, like trying those types yes. of passes. And I think well, I those passes will begin to connect once they build up more chemistry. No, that's um, exact. That's exactly what I think is. I think it's pure play time, which is why those passes didn't connect, and pure just chemistry of yeah. playing with the team. I, I really don't think that was his fault. I thought he had a great game. No, oh, and I, I'm excited to see how that front four does if we if we keep all four of those you know i thought for played bad in the first half i thought he the last probably 25 minutes he played a lot better got got some open chances or you know got some um good positions and uh i was a little surprised it seemed like for was playing a little more on the left and and ben rama a little more center kind of opposite what i think that they would have played or their more natural positions are but i didn't you know i i kind of liked ben rama having a more free role in there. He, he was, uh, he took a few shots was, was, you know, some were close, some were not, but I liked his, his directness, just like Bowen, you know, not afraid to take the ball, try and dribble past the player. Um, he could, you know, he looked really good for us, especially in his first full start. And I thought okay. his work rate, defensive work rate was better than I expected. Yes. Yeah, there are a few like times was, where I was surprised. He seemed to be tasked with marking Phillips in the middle for them and uh, really did a good job, seemed to be uh, engaged in the game. You know, some you know one of the problems, Hilaire, I thought the last few games has been done well on defense, but I think one of the criticisms early on with Hilaire this season is that he wasn't engaged. He was just kind of 
uh, not paying attention. But but Ben Rama, you know, has this kind of stigma of being a flair player, and a lot of times those flair players will will not contribute on defense. But today, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and we've seen for now, last game and this game, really not have great games. He had a few times where um, I thought he was okay, but I, I think overall it was just not a great game for him again. Would you consider putting Lanzini in there next game? I don't think so. I, I If we're keeping the same formation, I'd still put Fernals in there. Um, I'd, I'd be fine subbing on Lanzini, but I still think, the work rate that Fernals gives, especially when we have only a four back, is needed to help clean up. One thing I also thought this formation brought about was it allowed Rice and Suchek to to get more involved in the attack. Um, they weren't they they were very, they were still you know called upon to do a lot defensively, but there were several times where Rice or Suchek would make run runs forward that typically runs forward with the ball that is. And I felt like under the old five-back system, they didn't do as much of that. Suchek would get up in the box for some crosses, but neither of them really carried the ball like they did today. And yeah. I just kind of liked the, the role, the freedom that it gave them. Uh, yeah, I, I do want to say thank thank goodness we're doing so well because I think we've got a much higher chance of keeping Declan Rice now of saying, hey, you know, we can, with you being the captain, we can really carry this team forward. Uh, if we had had a bad season, it would have been a, a lot tougher to keep him. So I, I, and I think, I mean, he does want, you know, he does like the club. Uh, I know he's more from Chelsea, but I, I think we've got a decent chance to keep him actually now. And especially if we can close out these next three weeks, um, would you stay with the same formation or did you think we played better with the five back? Cause honestly, I thought our defense was way too um, open. I mean, it, it is so easy. If, if I was a, uh, if I was the Crystal Palace coach, you know, I would look at this game and I'd say, wow, I know exactly how to beat West Ham. Leeds, I mean, Leeds figured it out in, in the game. You know, they didn't even have to go to halftime. It, they were crushing us at the start until we got things figured out. It's just, and I think, you know, I mean, they were getting people down the middle and just overwhelming the defense. I, I think, personally think we need a five back, but. I think defensively ahead. in the five back were better, but with the players we currently have available for selection, I think, I think the system we played today gives us the best chance to win. Um, yes. We'll probably concede more goals than we would, but without a player like Masuaku on, like, let's say, you know, we probably would have to put what Johnson on that left wing back position. Yeah. And I like Johnson. I think he can be a really good player for us. I, especially on his left foot, I don't think he can provide the offensive capability we need to make a. I was I was thinking Ben Rama. What about Ben Rama back there? But then you're you're wasting him way too deep. Like you're you, his benefit is being able to take on players and make not only take on players but take on players and make a good pass or be a threat from outside the box. That that putting him on the left wing back doesn't give him the freedom to get in and around the box that he would need to make an impact. So you're it's almost like. It's the same thing for Fernal. Like Fernal is a is is a great contributor to the team in certain situations, but that just wouldn't fit him. Uh, and I, so, I I also think putting them putting a player like that, although I think his work rate was good, I don't think his defensive acumen is what you need for. So it almost if you're putting a subpar defender as your wing back, it's kind of defeating the purpose of 
of playing a five back. Now, so go with me for a second here. If you put Johnson on that left or somehow got Mazuaku back, you know, some maybe you figured out that left side. What what if you played uh, Ben Rama on the left, Fornals on the right, and then a Bowen up top and had Hilaire on the bench? I could see that. Uh, it would be... I think you'd, you'd lose Ariel. Uh, the hold-up play would be a little bit, you know, it'd be harder, but you'd have three guys that run like crazy just yeah you'd have to you'd have to really go in for the just trying to hit long balls down the down the flanks yeah um it's interesting i still you know i don't think that i don't think that puts us in a better situation than what we played today yeah i don't think it it necessarily upgrades our offense it's just you know in, in january let's say you know this is a good discussion. Does this does the Masuaku injury change our priority in January? I think I, it might. I don't. It it might impact it. I wouldn't say it changes it. And the reason is because I still want. I mean, I my number one pick for January is Josh, is King. I, I want King. Um, I think King would fit perfectly in our system, well, and that's and I think for the need, for the value that he opinion. would be. Yeah, it'd be t- it's tough to pass on yeah. the player. Uh, yeah, no, it is. And I think that, it, for, I mean, for the price we, we probably can get him for. Yeah. If we had him on the bench right now, I would, I would love to have him play with this system and see what could happen. But with that said, that is assuming that we figure out in the next few games, what the heck we're going to do with Mazuaku out. Um, do you Are, know how long he's out for? I didn't see anything. It's yet. undisclosed, but I'm sure it's a, I'm sure it's several weeks. Um, yeah. yeah. I would say our run of form has, has, kind of healed all wounds of the club at least temporarily yeah but i i don't want to lose sight of the fact that i think we are dreadfully thin at four key positions i think we're you know the only one that's been obvious right now is striker we're you know we have no one to to challenge hilaire with antonio out i think that's one i think with Masuaku out, we obviously have no one to replace his yep. his role as the wing back. I still think we're short on quality center backs, um, unless Diop, which I don't know why Diop wasn't in the, the team today, um, unless Diop comes back. And, you know, I think Balbuena's all right, but he's not – he's still – He's not weak, a permanent. He's a weak point in our defense. Yeah, he's not a permanent fix, but he's doing okay. Yeah, and then finally, the last position that we haven't really thought about because they've been so solid and played every game for us are our central midfield, spe- specifically like who's going to cover for Suchek or Rice if either one of them goes down. I think Noble, I really don't think can fill that role with as much as uh, as much ground that, that they have to cover. Snodgrass is the same. I don't really think that they can cover. Maybe you put a four nows there, you know, but well, it's, but it's the defensive effort. That's the problem is Declan Rice and both and Suchek are both considered defensive midfielders and yeah. they just come up and are beasts at offense too, but yeah. technically they're helping defense and they saved us a few times. Oh no. I thought they played great today, but those, yeah. like those four replace. positions. Yeah. yeah. We're dreadfully thin in squad depth that and so we're we're with the budget we're reported to have in january we're not going to be able to solve all four of those positions we're probably only going to be able to solve one maybe get a discount player at another position um 
unless we see just, unless we, you know, have massive sales, which I don't, I don't foresee. Uh, but I think we need to be, we need to, you know, this, this Masuaku, you know, surgery, it's kind of woken us up to the fact that, you know, our, our success is great at this point. Now I'll ride it as long as it goes, but it's fragile, still fragile. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, there's that player in the Dutch league who I think would be perfect. Cool miners. Yes. Yeah. He, if we, if we got him and Josh King, I would be so happy. Um, he would solve a lot of our problems. He, I know he, now I think he would cost upwards of close to 20 million 20 at this million, point. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, I still think he's Azed's captain. Uh, last I checked, I saw him play once in the, what was their Europa league this year? Um, and they, and they might have been. Yeah, it was the Europa League. He looked good. Their team looks. You know, he he's a player that I think can fit a lot of different roles in our system. We you know we did our scouting report uh, and the kind of the, the transfer preview uh, a couple months ago, and his kind of his ability to play both as a defensive mid or as a uh, center back, especially I think in you know left side of the three back could be very helpful, um, but. Yeah, I think some we're going to need to address those positions eventually because we're not going to have the injury luck that we we've had so far this season at those positions. Yeah, uh, look at you know hopefully we can get a Bowen and Suchek like we did last time in January, yeah. and that would that would be huge for us. But even I, I would be willing to spend more money on even just one of those four problems to to almost permanently solve it. You know. Yeah. Because and then in the summer, yeah, sure, cover the. But January, I, I just, I really want a quality player. I don't want to cover. I don't want four players that can barely cover it. I want at least one quality player that can, that can cover those. Yeah, I, I don't. I think King's probably the only one we'll get. Yeah, and I don't even know if he permanently solves the the problem, but he, you know, I think he, he solves our striker depth for now. Um, yeah. and so that would be good uh, so our next game is is Wednesday against Crystal Palace so they still have yet to play their game against Spurs on Sunday so a pretty quick turnaround for them between between that game and when they play us they're currently sitting uh, at 11th in the table their most recent game was a 5-1 win against West Brom but before that they've they were winless in a few what do how should we go out and play them and do you think we'll get a win good question on do you think you'll get a win we this is another game where like we've got to put this away like these are mid-table teams just like we played Leeds today where this is where we need to be proving ourselves that we can compete for europe that we can even compete for the champions league i mean this is the points you pick up that should be fairly easy and then you need to pick up a few of the top five teams and you know, we've, we've done okay against them so far. So you've got to put this game away. Um, if it was like a, you know, against Tottenham and I mean, obviously we want to beat them, but if we got a tie, like great, but this, this game, you've got to win. And it's just as important as the Leeds game. I'm very happy that they're going to play Tottenham on Sunday because Tottenham's going to give them a run for their money. Tottenham's a good team. And, uh, it's going to wear Crystal Palace out. And I hope that we see, honestly, I hope that we see that because um, if we play the, with the, the work rate that we played with today, I mean, 
that's hard to stop no matter, you know, and, and we had defensive lapses, but, but the work rate, I think is really what carried us through to the end. So yeah, I was, I was extremely impressed with overall our performance today. I thought, you know, yeah. Leeds did not look like a newly promoted side. Mm-hmm. They looked right. like a side that they knew what they were doing and, and very dangerous. Um, and yeah, we hopefully will be a little fresher than, than Crystal Palace will be. Um, I think, I think we should line up the same way. You know, I, I want, I, I want to see Ben Rama and Fornals and Bowen kind of all that midfield creative three, a little more time to, to get acquainted with one another. You know, yes, that makes us a little weaker defensively, but this is a game we should go out trying to get the three points. It's tough for me to say that uh, I want that five back because I do, but I I don't know who you replace with Mazawaku's position, and and that's the the really the toughest part. And it's sad that it is that tough because you should have someone that you can easily throw in there. The four back leaves us extremely vulnerable, in my opinion, in the defense, and we know that basically we're giving up one or two goals, and we're going to have to outscore him. Now we have had really good chances. If Hilaire is on his game, let's say he has a great game at Crystal Palace. I mean, think about if he had a great game today how many more goals we would have had, how many more great chances we would have had. I mean, I think he was just a big missing piece, you know, and, and uh, I, I don't, I'm not ready to like bench him yet. Uh, you know, I, I just, I want to see improvement from him, but I think uh, if we see it against Palace, I mean, that could, we should be up th- at least three goals in my, I, I think I could see like a three, one. Yeah, we, I think we could put them in. We can put them in against Palace. They've, you know, they're just a. They've conceded sixteen so far in eleven matches. Probably going to see that up when they play Tottenham. Uh, yeah, it's for me. I want to see Ben Rama continue to start. I want to see him still have that free role that he had. Um, I think we can still be a relatively solid team. Uh, defensively with this four back. I don't, I don't think, you know, we were obviously more defensively minded with the five back, but I think with the four back, we can still, um, we still have two really good defensive midfielders in Rice and Suchek. I, you just got to train the team and you, you got to remember, this is the first game we really played with that four back in a long time. If we have time to, to drill this into them and, and train the players in the system, it's not as if they're not, you know, they, they're not going to improve on what they were today. There's still um, kind of room to, to get sharper, get, get your roles down more. I think we're, it's, playing a fourback would mean, you know, Cresswell and Sufal don't really get it, get forward quite as much as they would normally. But I think that's okay. If, it, if, if the price or if the, if the benefit is getting to play Ben Rama and Fornals and Bowen together with, with a strike striker up top. So. Uh, yeah, I'm. I am. I am nervous about the defense, but uh, Crystal Palace beat Leeds four-one just a few games ago. But they also just lost to Burnley one-zero. So they're vulnerable. But it, it seems like from from what I see from their past few games that uh, they, if they're on, they're on. And they're, they've got one player, their forward, that scored seven goals. That's half of their total goals on the season. So if I were Moyes, I think I would instruct uh, probably Rice and, and Ogbonna specifically to shut that player down and make sure he's constantly tracked and marked. Because it seems like if you shut him down, then 
you shut down their whole offense just based on looking at goal scoring. Um, yeah. I mean, Zaha is definitely the, the biggest threat for them. Yeah. Um, they have, you know, they're just kind of a, outside of him. I feel like they're just an average team. Like there's, yeah. there's nothing, none of their players really scare me. Um, well, as, have, I as, mean, a, as yeah. a, we were trying to sign in the summer and he's, yep. he's had a decent start so far. Um, but is he, you know, I still kind of wish we would have signed him, especially for the price that they paid. But, you know, is he going to change, change the game with as good as we've been playing? I don't, you know, I think, I still think we probably are our players, our 11s that we can field is better than their 11. Um, and hopefully Rice and Suchek can, you know, be aggressive and Mark Zaha and hopefully the back four, if it is a back four that we can, drill into them a little bit better and, and be a little more uh, cohesive at the back. And yeah, I think we can, I think we, we can easily see a goal explosion because we've been getting the last three or four games, we've been getting tons of chances and just haven't really put away uh, a lot of our goals and not just chances, but quality chances. Like we've had yeah. some really, really good shots. So, yeah, I think we probably, we really, you know, we should have probably put two or three more uh, on Man United. We we really should have hit about four goals in today. Um, so maybe you know maybe Lex on our side next game, and we see this kind of goal explosion. Yeah, and one more thing before we go, uh, think about the only goal that Leeds got was that penalty, right? And beforehand too, like we were talking about the first the past few games. I mean, Liverpool had a penalty, like the past few games a lot of them have been either decided or or for instance the man U game like again it's we we don't seem to get many penalties in our favor no no we we don't but the whole thing is they're the teams that are scoring against us really if you look at it i mean they've had great shots against us the whole game and fabianski agbana like they've saved them and but really it's the penalties that are killing us so uh, you know if we, let's say we don't get any penalties against crystal palace i could see us shutting them out even with uh zaha rolling out there because now we do need some good saves and everything, but really besides those penalties, which that arguably, you know, has changed the game, then it, I mean, Leeds wouldn't have scored at all, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's, we've been playing good. Let's hope, let's keep it rolling. This is, these are the games, like, you know, we said it last episode about the Leeds game. So these are the games that you need that differentiate your season. Yep. Are, yep. are playing the teams in the mid table, you know, every, every team's going to win some games against, you know, bottom of the league opposition. Every team's going to lose games against the top teams, but it's really what you do with the middle 12 teams that, that make or break your season that, that push you up into to the Europa league places or that see yourself, you know, fight against relegation. So, um, we're, yeah, we're four so, points away from being tied for first. Yeah, just to throw that out there. And and what what was the didn't didn't you find out something earlier about our our current opposition so far, like the number the games we've already played? Oh yeah, uh, it's the, we've played. We have had the hardest schedule so far in the Premier League in terms of uh, the amount of teams that we have played in the top ten from last year. 
and, and we've played pretty much all, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule or the uh, table now, and uh, we've played literally every single one of these teams minus one. So at, out of the entire premier league, we've had the hardest schedule up till now. And that's why I'm saying we've got to put away these mid teams because that how well we've done in the past few, uh, that, you know, really our start will carry through and will prove itself if we can just put these away. And I mean, four points out of, you know, out of the number one spot right now, at, at least just to tie, that's pretty incredible. we we are six goals behind scoring the most, uh, goals for, out of the whole premier league and that's you know liverpool has 26 right now so and we're at 20 that's pretty good well being yeah just being four goal four points off the top but 14 away from relegation Mm -hmm. is not a position we're used to being in especially this you know already being so far clear this early on um yeah it's been a great it's a good feeling it's a good and that's why i I, I just want to mention, you know, how uh, that we're fifth right now in the Premier League table, literally as many times as I possibly can, because I'm so happy that, I mean, and you can see it in the team, like we're working hard. Moyes, I think made a great decision today to put on those defensive players. Like I, I really like what I'm seeing all around. Yeah. seems like they're having fun and, uh, you know, it's paying off in the score sheet. So it's fun time to be a West Ham fan. So All right. Well, that concludes this episode of Green Eggs and West Ham. Hopefully we get a good result at Crystal Palace and uh, come on, you irons. Come on, you irons.